This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday, August 24th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in this hour, and hopefully, I can give you some perspective and drive some good decision making. That's really the end goal uh, each and every day on Invest Talk, and that is to give you the tools to make better investment decisions. And I know that can be difficult in times where there's a lot of data being thrown at you. Uh, you don't know what to consider. Um, and it's our innate uh, instinct to kind of simplify things down into one or two factors. And this is a multi-factor process. So, uh, you know, we are entering a, a world where there is a lot more, um, it's a lot more about the facts on the ground as opposed to the narratives. Um, and I'll get to that a little bit more on tomorrow's show, but I wanted to touch on that on uh, the fact that, you know, our world right now is driven so much by narratives and that is shifting in a big, big way. Um, so, uh, and it's creating crises. Uh, and we're going to touch on that in our main focus point today in regards to how you should, uh, you know, deal with the crises that we are uh, experiencing uh, throughout the world, especially the energy crisis. So that's our, our main focus point today. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. So I'm ready to hear your questions at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's head to our first listener question now. Hello. In Best Talk, my name is Enrique from Pacific Beach. I'm looking at IPI for a fertilizer play. Uh, looking forward to your answer on the podcast. Love your show. Thank you. All right, looking at Intrepid Potash, Intrepid Potash, and they manufacture phosphates and fertilizer products, mainly sold here in the U.S., um, and they've been doing very well. I've talked about this before uh, in regards to fertilizers and artificial fertilizers, fertilizers. About half of the world's food is grown with artificial fertilizers. So that means fertilizers that uh, main input is uh, methane, uh, natural gas. And companies like Intrepid Potash, they're earning big profits, especially if you can produce them here cheaply in the U.S. with cheap natural gas and export them to the rest of the world, especially Asia. Um, and that's what you're seeing right now. Um, so that is that's that's the big reason why these companies are doing so so well um, and it's popped recently on uh, natural gas prices in Europe continuing to hit new highs but what's interesting is this is lagging behind some of the the bigger players uh, in the industry uh, the CF industries the mosaics uh, of the world and they're doing much much better so you know is it is it good sure but it is definitely not the best in this market all right Thanks for the call. 
888-99 chart, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. And we're going to head to our first break. So this is Invest Talks. Give me a call at 888-99 chart. Do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor 888-99-CHART. Today, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. All right. Well, we have an action-packed show for you today. Our main focus point is in regards to looking at the big picture in energy options and uh, some other uh, topics as well, including uh, what's what's the trend in manufacturing in Asia? Well, hint, hint, Apple is moving away from uh, China and not just to India, which they announced with the iPhone, but other products as well. So we're going to look at that. Also, the oil market, we're going to dig into why there are some data that says the recent pullback in oil is probably short-lived. And then lastly, the jobs market. What, uh, how is that evolving? I know there's layoffs, but you know, if you get laid off, you get another job a week later. Um, that doesn't really impact your, your spending habits of the economy as a whole. So um, you know, we're going to uh, look at the, that data as well. Uh, I also have some voice bank questions on Vanguard Total Stock, uh, World Stock in ETF, as well as Centene Corp, CNC. So that's my planned show for today, but you can always interrupt it with your calls and and your topics. So I encourage you to reach out at 888-99-CHART. So let's take a look at the market today. We had a modest up day. The markets really have pulled back over the past uh, few days into some major support, and Today, yesterday, we had a little bit of bounce, so modest update uh, overall. You had the dollar that was roughly flat. You had the 10-year that was up about five basis points. And, you know, we have Jackson Hole coming up the day after tomorrow is when uh, Chairman Powell is going to speak and uh, kind of this is usually a point where the Fed pivots um, to some degree. Now, the question is, will they... Will their rhetoric of a slower pace of tightening uh, be enough to keep this momentum in the market 
going. Uh, I've heard a lot of chatter about the bear market rally being done after the last the, the recent um, little sell off here. Problem I have with that is that usually the market likes to hurt the most amount of people at any given time. And while in June there was a ton of people <clears throat> pessimistic, there were a lot of shorts, and there were, this was a, a big short covering rally over the past couple of months. But we kind of got back to neutral in positioning. So not necessarily oversold, not necessarily overbought either. Uh, and typically the market eh, likes to get off sides, uh, gets, gets uh, speculators off sides before it makes that other move lower to fuel that downside. You know, there's not a lot of fuel where longs are, um, you know, overcommitted. Um, they've just kind of got back to neutral. And so uh, I expect a little more upside uh, and Friday could be that catalyst, but you never know. So just wanted to give you my perspective there. Now, that's my uh, my take, but ultimately I want to hear what is on your mind. So let's go ahead and play another voice bank question from a listener in Seattle. It came in earlier on 8899 chart. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Craig from Seattle. Got a question I'm hoping you can help me with. I'm building a shop on my property. It's going to be about 150 grand and I don't do debt, so I'm going to cash flow it. I should be able to cash flow about 100 grand of it just out of income and existing resources. Uh, the other 50 is going to need to come from some investments, and that was planned the whole time. My question is, I've got RSUs with a Fortune 100 company that'll be about 50, 55 grand, and then I've also got about a $300,000 brokerage account. My thought is to cash out the RSUs because I've got another 110 unvested, and that continues to grow year after year. They vest over five years and pay out quarterly. And because it's already part of my AGI, when they vest, you know, I don't want to add to my AGI and pop into the next tax bracket. But I wonder if I'm missing anything, if it's better to take from the brokerage, am I better off doing, because they're at a loss this year also, am I better off doing early shares that may have some gain or later shares that are definitely going to have some loss? Really just looking for your insight and to see if my thinking's right on the RSUs or if I'm missing something. Thanks so much. I love the podcast. Bye-bye. All right. The great question. And typically selling out of your RSUs is a good diversification strategy because most people their, of their net worth, the RSUs, uh, become a, a large portion of their net worth. And it sounds like you're still working for uh, the company. So we'll continue to vest over time. So your stake is, the, is naturally going to vest um, uh, and increase over time. Um, so that's typically a good good place to go. Now, taking money from your brokerage account, there's no tax consequences there. Whereas the RSU, there are some tax consequences. So you want to really talk to your CPA about that tax consequences. Obviously, I don't have that information and what tax bracket you're in. And and I'm also not a CPA either. Um, but that that's a conversation you want to have with, with your tax professional first. And then you can go and and make that sale. Now, if you do, you probably want to also get long-term capital gains if you can. Um, any loss will be limited to how much you can write off each year. There's $3,000 per year that you can write off. Uh, but that's a question more for, for, for your CPA, no, knowing your full tax situation, how that will impact you this year as well as long-term. Um, but when it comes to, is this a good idea to, to think about selling your RSUs to fund uh, your project? Yes, I do think that's, that's good because it'll probably help diversify your overall assets. So 
Thanks for the call. Let's go to Sid in North Carolina looking at BPM. I'm sorry, PBM, PBM. Uh, actually, let me repeat that, Sid. What, what was that symbol? Yes, it is P as in Peter, D as in David, M as in Mary, PDM. PDM, got it. Okay, so Piedmont Office Realty, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Thank and you so much, first of all, taking my call and uh, sure. spreading this wonderful, wonderful knowledge for the people like me. Appreciate Learning it. so much, and thank you for yeah. No problem. So you're looking at Piedmont Office Realty. I just recently got Realty. this one uh, in my radar and yeah, looking to add, if you mm -hmm. think technically and strategically, this is a good, uh, of course, I have an eye on the dividend as well. Uh, do you think this is a good, good buy in this market? Um. Actually, I do not. Uh, you know, this is mainly focused on office properties located in major American metropolitan areas. So this, these are the type of properties that are going to be in far less demand in the new post-pandemic world than they were before, uh, because people are moving to cheaper areas and there's there's pushback to you know return to work, especially in those those big cities. Uh, you're seeing it with Apple right now. Apple's trying to bring their workers back to work and they're having trouble you know, getting them to. And the vast majority of this company's revenues come from those large metropolitan cities, Washington, D.C., New York City, Chicago, Atlanta, Minneapolis, Dallas, and Boston. And so <clears throat> I just don't see this as a, a great place to, to own, uh, a great REIT to, to own. I don't want this area of the, of the REIT market. Um, now, you could have a long-term play and you think maybe those trends are going to reverse, but frankly, I don't. I think this is a longer term trend and earnings are expected to fall 30% this year and 9% next year to the lowest level since 2014, 13, 14. So in nearly a decade, um, next 6.8% dividend, that's fine. Uh, but if they're going to have trouble, you know, re-renting at the same uh, rates, and that's what you're seeing in New York City, rates are coming way down. Um, and the technicals on this company are horrible. Uh, you're just breaking uh, to new 52-week lows. Uh, let's see, did we close today? Yeah, the clo lowest close today. 52-week uh, low close today. Uh, so, you know, I like that you're looking at REITs, but this is not the place you want to own right now is the office market. Thank Thanks you. for the call. Yeah, this is a, uh, you know, I like REITs. REITs are, are some of the best vehicles for uh, owning real estate. Uh, I actually think they're a lot better than owning physical real estate for, for many reasons, uh, mainly because simplicity, diversity, and you can target, you know, particular um, classes of commercial property that uh, are oftentimes difficult to, to, to buy uh, and own individually, especially at large size, right? Because there's, they're multi-million dollar properties. And so um, I, I, I tend to like them a lot, but I don't like the office market right now. Uh, so pass on Piedmont Office Realty. Now we're heading into a break. Steve and I are happy to play your recorded voice bank questions, but we love taking live calls as well. So remember, the number never changes and it never closes. We are live four to five Pacific time and we'd love to hear from you. Invest. This is Investalk 888-99-CHART. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect so get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 
Now my focus point concerns the story, looking at the big picture in energy options. And I wanted to highlight this because it's becoming increasingly more obvious and, and, and important that our politicians globally, not just here in the US, are ignoring the multi-factor uh, decision-making process that goes into our energy grid. And so many are solely focused on one factor, which is greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, but when it comes to deciding on the energy source, there are various criterias. One is affordability. Think coal, which is super cheap. Uh, think security. So if you produce that domestically, that is usually pretty secure. Uh, you don't have to go buy it from somewhere else. And then environment. So the least impact on the environment. And if you can get cheap, secure, and environmentally friendly energy, that's kind of the holy grail. Fortunately, all, all energy has give and take in various degrees. Okay. Uh, but legislators don't seem to understand that. Now, just like when you talk to a child, you, you can't, a kid wants to eat candy for dinner, right? But you have to explain, you can't just eat candy, you can't just rely on taste. And that's the only uh, input into your decision making process of what, what you eat, right? It's health and imbalance, etc. Uh, now, affordability is obviously very important for household businesses, you're seeing that in Germany right now, where there's a lot of industrial companies that are just shutting off production, because it's too expensive, they can't make a profit, they can't be cost competitive, when their input, main input cost energy, uh, electricity becomes, you know, uh, go, goes to the roof. And uh, what happens is they look for alternatives, they go and produce elsewhere, they bring their production to a, a different country, uh, or a different region, and they take the jobs with them. And that creates a affordability crisis in that area as well in that country. Because guess what, total global or total income total wealth within that region falls because jobs leave. Now, if the economy is entirely reliant on renewables, they typically will fail the security standard. Why? Because guess what, it's not always sunny, it's not always windy. And this happened last year in Europe. So before the, the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, there was a 20% drop in wind generated electricity in the European Union. And what did the European utilities have to do? They had to burn more natural gas and coal. Exact opposite of what everyone's trying to get to. Now, the security of energy is also means protection from uh, terrorist attacks and geopolitical concerns. And obviously, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is a good example of that geopolitical concern. And it's only one. That's one that reared its ugly head. But there are dozens throughout the world that can create instability when it comes to energy security. And then environment, when it comes to the environment, many are fo hyper focused on climate change. But there are other ways to measure environmental impact as well. Air quality, as well as biodiversity. So what type of impact does it have on the surrounding region and wildlife? Um, renewables tend to generate lower amounts of greenhouse gases, but you have to have inputs to them. So cost of operating uh, in terms of maintenance, 
uh, price of replacement parts, the fuel consumption and insurance rates, all of this go into the total cost of ownership over the long term. And when, it, when you need rare earth minerals to produce uh, these, the, these things, they require a lot of mining with which obviously generates greenhouse gas. So that's something that most politicians don't really pay attention to. They just say, okay, what is the ongoing once it is in, in place, what's once it's a steady state, you know, in operation, what type of greenhouse gas emissions does it create? And that typically is, is zero. And many experts want total solar power. You know, they, they see total solar power based economy would require uh, deforestation of if not almost all of the U.S. And so it just doesn't make sense. It's about diversity. Uh, and so that's what you're seeing right now. And you're, it's why we're kind of stumbling towards an energy crisis. We already have one in Europe and we're, we're, we're stumbling towards that worldwide because of myopic focus on just greenhouse gases and not the, the entire picture. Many parts of the environmental side, uh, as well as um, affordability and security. And so uh, this is vital in today's world and why I expect inflation to remain relatively elevated because, you know, it's going to stumble from one crisis to another. And with just this one myopic goal of greenhouse gas emissions, and that's why you're likely to continue to see energy prices stumble higher. Now, on the next invest talk story behind this question, what is a wide moat stock? And should you want one? According to Morningstar, since the bear market low in June 16th, on balance, stocks with economic moats are doing better than those without a moat. So we'll get to that story tomorrow. But Nick from Los Angeles, you're going to be next. So hang on. And for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your question live at 888 chart rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Go to talk to Nick. He's in LA. Wants to look at Digital Turbine APPS. You own or looking to buy it? Hi, Justin. Yeah, um, I own it. I started building a position after uh, their their May earnings. It uh, fell down in the mid-teens, and I've built up about a five five six percent position in my portfolio, um, and also some calls for uh, January two thousand. Uh, 24 at the $20 level. And so I was wondering what you thought about this as a cash flow cow, uh, you know, in the future. And from what I understand is they essentially took advantage of a very high share price, artificially high share price, you know, crazy valuation in the uh, winter and spring of 2021 and raised some debt, uh, pretty, uh, pretty cheap interest rates, of course, and purchased uh, three companies. And they've radically changed their uh, total addressable market and essentially our uh, one-stop shop platform for OEMs and app advertisers to, uh, you know, monetize smartphones um, by, you know, ads and targeting of, you know, app placement on devices. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty interesting business model. And, uh, you know, I was thinking once they pay off the debt, once they, you know, pay off sort of the bill for the acquiring these companies, they basically are going to generate 
free cash flow endlessly and the stock should shoot up. What do you think about that? Well, they're already producing free cash flow. So that's the positive and it is uh, at a new all time high right now of $125 million. Now it's still about a $2 billion market cap and uh, enterprise value value somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.5 billion. So when you look at that, it's not exactly cheap. Uh, trading about 17 times enterprise value to uh, EBITDA price to cash flow about 17 times. So, you know, I just, I still think it's a bit expensive. Um, yes, uh, yeah, I, I'm not familiar particularly with the acquisitions, but I'm just looking at the financial uh, trends and they are looking positive, but growth is, is certainly slowing. Revenues only grew 19% last quarter versus 168% in the same quarter last year. Earnings only up 12% versus 162% same quarter last year. So sharp, sharp, sharp deceleration. In fact, earnings are expected to fall 13% this year. Uh, but bounce back next year. My biggest problem though, near term is analysts continue to downgrade their expectations for earnings this year and next year. So could that continue to fall further? Absolutely. And uh, to me, this is a name that is going to be more predicated on their, their cash flow. Um, because I don't, I don't see a strong, I, I don't feel like the earnings picture is really giving, uh, giving a true sense of the overall uh, business. Uh, I feel like cash flow uh, looks looks more accurate. Uh, and then technically, it rallied up to the 100-day moving average, almost got there, and failed pretty quickly. And even in today's rally, it was flat. So uh, I don't see this really getting much traction in the near term. You know, could it have a, a great earnings report and and um, skyrocket higher? Sure, um, but yeah. it also could crater uh, if it comes out with a, a tough earnings announcement because it is trading at a high multiple still even though it's come down it's still trading at a, a pretty healthy multiple so you know i don't love the risk versus reward here i definitely don't like the technicals and i don't think it's cheap yet so i would be careful with it i wouldn't get too all in quite here uh five percent of your portfolio that's not you know too bad but it's not something that uh, I, I see as a, a big turnaround candidate in the short term thanks for the call that was Digital Turbine, APPS. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. We have about 20 minutes left in the show, so get your calls in now. Let's pivot over to what Apple is doing. Now, there was news two days ago, three days ago, that Apple is moving a lot of their iPhone production to India, away from China. And there's even more news today that they're in talks to move their Apple Watch production as well as their MacBook production to Vietnam for the first time and continue to diversify away from China. And this is using their suppliers, Luxshare Precision Industries, as well as Foxconn. And they've, they've already been, they've been producing iPads as well as AirPods already in Vietnam. So they have a little experience there. Uh, but this would be the first time they produced those Apple Watches and the uh, and the MacBooks, and I think this is this is a this is a big message here. Uh, the fact that the largest device maker in the world is shifting production out of China means you know they're not doing that for no reason. That's a big endeavor. There's a lot of 
sunk costs when it comes to R&D and CapEx to produce in China. And it's going to cost more money and more R&D. And frankly, it's going to cost a bit more to produce in these other countries. But Apple has asked suppliers to set up test production lines in Vietnam for the notebook computer. And uh, they're, they're trying to make it as co uh, cost competitive as China, but they're just not going to be able to do that. Um, so this is a, one example of another reason why inflation is likely to remain elevated for an extended period of time because companies like China or like China, like, like Apple are going to put their manufacturing hubs into areas that are more geopolitically friendly, India, Vietnam, for example, that are more allies to the U S and that's going to cost some money in the near term. And it's going to cost probably more per unit. And they're going to pass that on to their consumers because they know they can get it. You know, they've, uh, the rumors are that the new iPhone is going to be $100 more expensive than the previous one. And frankly, this is, they started this in 2020. They started making the AirPods there in 2020. And that was under Trump because of the trade war, because of what was, uh, what was happening uh, with, with tariffs. And that's only been exacerbated with the China's zero COVID policy, uh, also their cost of energy. Remember, China is not very energy or is not energy independent at all. They don't have a lot of energy outside of coal, um, which is just making their cities dirtier and dirtier. And that's why they're shifting to nuclear because they need it and they want to produce their energy cleaner and, and more secure to, to speak about our main focus point today. So uh, other big manufacturers are doing this as well or looking Google, Dell, Amazon, they're all looking for production outside of China and uh, especially Vietnam. So I wanted to highlight that because uh, of that example and uh, how when I talk about regionalization and, and, and uh, a entering a multipolar world, this is what it means. It means that supply chains are going to move back to uh, closer to the U.S., closer to more allied countries uh, that are more stable uh, politically. And that means higher prices for you in all aspects of life. Now, let's swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Texas. Yeah, this is uh, Josh in Texas. Uh, I have a question regarding stock CNC or Centene Corporation. I've held this stock for quite a while. It's up about 30%. And uh, just curious with the current environment, if this is a stock that you would continue to hold or if it's something that you would potentially sell or at least take some profits on. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Centene is a managed care organization, and they're focused on government-sponsored healthcare plans, Medicaid, Medicare, and they serve 22 million medical members as of September of last year, mainly Medicaid. It's about 68% of members, membership. Uh, individual exchange is 10%. Medicare Advantage, 6%. And so this is a company that continues to do well as, as uh, uh, seniors get older. Uh, their uh, baby boomers retire. They're entering uh, into more Medicare, Medicaid plans as well uh, as the wealth gap gets wider you have more haves and have nots and the have nots obviously are on, on Medicaid. Uh, and so they're doing quite well. Uh, I don't see any reason, frankly, to sell it. The technicals are fine. Their business continues to, to go up. Uh, the biggest risk would be some 
maybe Medicare for all, but does that mean they're going to be part of a big government uh, plan where, where Medicaid or Medicare Advantage is expanded to everybody, right? Where uh, now you, you have a base level medical, medical care, Medicare, uh, just like seniors do. And then you have supplemental on top of that. And that's uh, likely the system that would probably be put in place eventually. And Centene would be probably well set up for that. Uh, do you think we eventually get there? Is that two years down the line or two decades? I don't know. Um, but I have no reason to, that, for how to tell you to sell Centene because uh, they have consistent cash flow, consistent profitability, no dividend. But guess what? They're just, uh, they're just continuing to invest in their business and it continues to grow. And let's see, uh, shares outstanding. Let's see if they're buying back shares. Yeah, they just started buying back shares recently. So um, I would I would hold off. I would keep uh, Centene, CNC. Now let's play two in a row from 888.99 chart. Hey, I'm thinking to add some international stocks to my portfolio. So I'm interested to buy this single ETF VT in my Roth IRA. So what do you think about this ETF VT? Thank you so much. All right, this is the Vanguard Total World Stock ETF. And if you're looking to add foreign exposure to your account, this will do that a little bit. About 40% of the portfolio here is in non-US stocks, but still 60% in US, US stocks. So when you see the world in, in, in the, the name of a fund, that typically means the US as well, okay? When you hear international, that's when you get usually fully international exposure right? Non-US exposure. Um, so this would incrementally get you there, but you'd also be adding a lot of uh, domestic exposure uh, as well. And then when it looks at the, the sector breakdown, technology is about 20%. That's better than the 25% that the S&P is today, but still, you know, that's a pretty hefty weight. Only 4.9% in energy. That's once again, a little bit higher than the S&P as a whole, but still not nearly adequate enough. Should be probably three times that that figure. Um, so, you know, the sector breakdown looks slightly better than the S&P, but still not great. Um, so is this a fine ETF? If you don't want to think about it and you don't want to really get strategic with it, sure. You know, you just kind of plow money into it consistently and, and do like a dollar cost averaging approach. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but there's certainly better ways to allocate your, your, your capital and your, and your account. Um, especially if you're looking for foreign exposure, look for an international ETF, not a world ETF. World ETFs are typically U S as well as international. Thanks for the call. Now I'll bet that a lot of people are amazed at how the investment environment has changed in the past year. And that means you got to be prepared to deal with the reality talked about that a lot about that today, the reality of inflation, the reality of higher energy prices, a different world than we're that we were pre pandemic, we had that call about, you know, on office read and how that's changed. And so all of these shifting trends mean shifting dynamics within the market as well sectors, types of companies, etc. So if you need help understanding whether you are well prepared for this current environment, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, which is based in Irvine, California, just south of LA. Now, I'll remind you that here on Invest Talk and at KPP, we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. 
We implement unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go-to-meeting. Just head, head over to investtalk.com or call our office at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Short conversation can go a long way. So the sooner you reach out, the sooner we can help get you optimized. Now let's grab a live call next from Dan in Georgia. Hey, Justin, how are you doing? Doing great, Dan. How are you? Doing doing well. Listen, what we did was um, I'm, I'm in a variable, and uh, I was just it was going investing into the uh, S&P 500 index. Okay. And what we did was we pivoted from that, and they, they put me in three other funds, and one of those funds, uh, that they pivoted to was the mainstay VP McKay high yield corporate bond. And what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, you're first off, you're in a variable annuity. Sounds like correct. Correct. I'm stuck in this thing for another yeah. five years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sometimes remember those annuities, the, the, the surrender charges usually dwindle each year. So, it might make sense as you get closer to, you know, it's usually 1% a year, it's usually a 10 year time frame, And each year that surrender charge drops 1%. Is that how this works? I think so. Yes. Okay. So I would think about it, especially if you get a good buying opportunity in the market to, to cash that out at, uh, before you wait for the full five years, because it might make sense, you know, to just bite the bullet, take a two, three, 4% um, hit. So that's that's number one is is try to strategically figure out how to get out of that sooner rather than later. Um, now the mainstay McKay high yield uh, bond ETF is a very average high yield bond uh, fund. It's yields about five percent. Its effective duration is three point six, so it's not long term in maturity. So that's probably uh, the best thing I can say about it. Its expense ratio is very very high. So I would that that's that's why you don't want to be in a variable annuity. A lot of people don't understand that there's uh, there, there's fees within the annuity, and then there's fee high fees typically within those mutual funds that you you get to invest in. Um, so that's why they're terrible investment vehicles. Um, so you know this is an okay, probably slightly below average uh, high yield bond ETF. Um, fine right now. Um, you know it depends on what else the options are, uh, but um, yeah, this is just kind of average. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do that right now at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk output is connected to listener input. I appreciate the show. Appreciate all the knowledge. Thanks, guys. In other words, Invest Talk answers are connected to caller questions. We're looking to purchase a home next year once the housing market swings back a little bit in our favor. Well, I'm not keen on investing money that's earmarked for a house to the stock market because the stock market is so volatile. And over time, for regular listeners, enriched market know-how is connected with InvestTalk guidance. We don't take anybody's bearish or bullish or neutral rating as gospel. What we may look into, though, is why. What's their reasoning? Since InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are fearless advocates for financial freedom, loyal listeners can strengthen their portfolio strategies and very possibly improve their investing success by their connection with 
Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. From miraculous things to everyday things, Scripps Health is here for you. Our primary care doctors and specialists put our patients at the center of everything we do. For more than 100 years, San Diegans have relied on Scripps for personalized health care. Because we're here for good. To learn more, call 1-800-SCRIPS or visit scripps.org. I want to break free. Ready to break free? Make your dream vacation a reality with Norwegian Cruise Line and sail to the Caribbean, Europe, and more. With our leading health and safety program, you can cruise with the ultimate freedom and confidence. Book today and enjoy 30% off all cruises, free open bar, and much more. Visit ncl.com, call your travel advisor, or 1-888-NCL-CRUISE. Offer ends soon. Norwegian Cruise Line. Sail safe, feel free. Ships Registry, the Bahamas and USA. Restrictions apply. There's never been a better time than right now. Hear me out. If you want to make a change for the better, for a better job, a better future, to be part of something better, this is the time. We've taken our experience creating accredited programs designed from the job up and built them into a better university. University of Massachusetts Global. Find what you're looking for to better yourself in a visionary online environment with better student support ready to take you to a better level. Better enroll now at umassglobal.edu. Formerly Brandman University. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Vince from Orlando. And got a question regarding 401 allocation. Previously on an episode, Steve had mentioned to have, when you're under 40, to have 25% for small cap growth or value, 25% for mid cap, 25% for large cap growth, and 25% in international. But my 401k features some retirement funds, like retirement for 2060. 2055, 2050. Just wondering, what do I do with those? Do I invest in those if those are my targeted retirement date? Appreciate the insight. Thanks. Well, it depends on your philosophy. Now, I would say always lean on the value side, not the growth side. So you're talking about small and mid cap and large cap, especially in this market, lean on the value side. So don't uh, don't be heavily invested on the growth side of the market. Uh, and then when it comes to your targeted funds, you could allocate a little bit to them, but it wouldn't be ideal. It's a good set it and forget it. If you never want to do any work and you don't want to think about it, it's fine. The problem with it is that it is mainly going to be invested in index funds. And obviously we've talked about how those are poorly set up for this inflationary world when you're overweight, uh, really the wrong sectors, uh, technology uh, and healthcare. Um, so I would... I would not put a ton in those target dated funds. I would try to be a little bit more strategic, but also once again, depends on 
type of work you want to do. Um, but I like what you're talking about, the 25, 25, 25, 25, uh, and uh, splitting that between small, mid, large, and international. But lean on the value side. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on oil. I know we've talked a little bit, but uh, I want to really look at uh, the global energy markets. And, uh, you know, prices have come down, especially if you look at Brent crude, uh, what's uh, in Europe, it was at $140 per barrel after the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine in February. Now it's down below $100 per barrel as of today. Uh, But there's, uh, you know, this has kind of quelled a lot of the, the worry about energy prices. And a lot of people were thinking we're going to get to two, $300 per barrel. And we haven't gotten there yet. But uh, there, there are many factors that are, have brought oil prices down. Uh, one is a strong dollar. Okay. Number two is the China zero COVID policy. Number three is the SPR release. Okay. Uh, and then number four would be recession fears. And all of that has been a drag on getting prices higher. Problem is, is that most of those are relatively short-lived and probably we're not seeing a requisite supply response from those higher oil prices. And oil prices can fall for many reasons. Uh, One could be technological breakthroughs that reduce demand overall. So think of internal combustion engines becoming a lot more efficient. That is certainly a reduced demand for oil uh, compared to what it otherwise would have been. Uh, another could be a recession that can reduce uh, the demand for oil. But what's happening is supply is not robust. Um, and there are things that are going to reverse by year end. One uh, is the fact that, yeah, the economy is certainly slowing. But it's not slowing to a degree that it's going to reduce end demand. Only a deep recession will typically uh, hit demand enough to push prices significantly down. Short recessions tend to cut oil demand only for a short time, and it bounces back relatively quickly. And then you have uh, the fact that uh, Europe and the UK are going to ban uh, in the insurance for vessels carrying Russian crude, which will basically drop all of Russian crude uh, from the European region being shipped. And so that's going to be uh, a big drag on new supply uh, out of Russia, because that's that's been one factor is, hey, there hasn't really been a huge drop in Russian exports. They've just been exporting to different countries that maybe don't agree with our policies. Okay. And uh, that's going to that's gonna change. Uh, and so uh, over time, I still think oil prices continue to go up. Uh, you have the SPR release, which, you know, that's going to end in November. And then what? What replaces that supply? And eventually, you know, we probably have to repurchase it at some point. Um, so, you know, this pullback in energy or in oil uh, is likely very short-lived. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which have crossed over the 44.5 million mark, thanks to you. 
And you can get your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.